Hello, everyone, and welcome to the new episode of The Boar Film Podcast. Today, I'm here with Jasmine Parker, the former editor-in-chief of The Boar, and we're going to be talking about movie musicals. Jasmine, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Brilliant. Good to hear. Now, there was something specific that spurred on this choice of topic, and that's the fact that the trailer for the musical Dear Evan Hansen is recently dropped. Yes. Well, actually, the um, I saw in the in the Heights the film has just released as well. So there's a lot going on in the movie musical world right now. But yeah, Dear Evan Hansen has been interesting because it's a musical that I really love. I've never seen it, but yeah, that trailer caused I think quite a lot of upset just because the casting choice of Ben Platt is so weird. Obviously, Ben Platt um, was the original um, Evan Hansen on Broadway but that man is like 30 and he's supposed to be playing like a 16 17 year old boy um and obviously given that it's a show about social anxiety I think it just it's hard to sim it's the plot of the musical is very problematic and I think a lot of people that aren't into musical theatre haven't realized how like problematic some of the elements of the plot are um because he effectively kind of gaslights and guilt trips this family whose son has just killed himself so it's very it's set in like this very emotional um sort of turmoil plot um and i think for me i was able to sympathize with those actions from the point of view of like he's also extremely mentally unwell and he's a young boy it's a genuine mistake like it's an awful thing to do but it's a genuine mistake when you cast a 30 year old man in that role you don't really have the same sympathy um, there's also just issues like I can't remember who's playing the female lead, but she looks significantly younger. He looks very out of place in the trailer. So it's not even like one of those things. I mean, so many TV shows and films cast people in like their mid 20s to play teenagers, but he really sticks out like a sore thumb. He really looks like a 30 year old man <laughs> in this setting of like all teenagers. So I'm really not sure how the film is going to turn out, which is a shame because I was so looking forward to it. I think one of the great things about like movie musical adaptations is it makes it so much more accessible. Obviously going to the theater is really, really expensive. Um, often these shows don't transfer like to the West End or to other places around the world for a while. So if you wanna see them, it's kind of your only option, but I might not be watching it. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to see if I can bring myself to like potentially be caused so much upset by this film. Are you a fan of the original Broadway musical of it? I am. I haven't seen it because it was only on on Broadway for a while and then um, I mean just the West End is expensive I live in Leicester so like it's expensive to get the train down to London and then this tickets on top of that it costs so much um, but I would love to see it but I am a fan from what I've seen I love love the soundtrack um, I think it's really well written um, the plot yeah slightly slightly questionable but I think I mean I think it debuted in 2017 or something and now at the time I absolutely loved it and I still think um, the music is really well written. It's the same writers as for La La Land and The Greatest Showman, which I know people have many issues with The Greatest Showman, but I think the um, songs are really well written. So I like the show from what I know of it, but I obviously haven't been able to see it, which is a shame. Right. Are you still going to go and see it when it comes out in cinemas, though? I don't know. I feel like the, the other thing I compare it to is The Prom. I was really excited when I heard they were making a film adaptation of The Prom because, again, the show was off Broadway. Like, there was no way I was going to get to see it. Um, and it's a really important story to tell. Like, it's all about um, 
LGBTQ plus teenagers and their experience in like American high school. And obviously anything that has that element of diversity is a really important story to tell. And then just the casting of James Corden in it, I was like, I'm really not sure if I can bring myself to watch this. Um, so yeah, I, I haven't watched the film and I don't think I ever will. I'm not sure if I will watch Dear Evan Hansen, which is a shame because I feel like, I mean, the whole point of adapting musicals into movies is to kind of bring them into the mainstream. And I feel like at the point where someone like me, who is like an avid fan of musical theatre, studies theatre to my degree, is saying, I'm not sure I'm going to go and watch this film. It's a bit it's a bit of an issue. And then I guess it poses lots of questions for the economic validity of um, adapting musicals into films in the future, because if even people who love the stage productions aren't even gonna see and go and see the film, who is gonna see it? How are they gonna break even? So yeah, a bit concerning. Right, yeah, absolutely. Is there any better news um, for In the Heights? Is, do you have any good thoughts on that? What's your thoughts on it? I haven't seen it yet. I will be watching that. Um, Again, I feel like Lin-Manuel Miranda, we have to ask some questions of. Obviously Hamilton, I actually wrote an essay on Hamilton. I love Hamilton, I was like obsessed with it when it came out. Um, and I wrote my essay just before the film adaptation. I studied it as part of my degree, which is really, really cool. Um, but I wrote my essay just before like the film, um, the recorded Broadway production came out. Um, and so I was just kind of on the cusp of when people were starting to talk about like, is Hamilton actually the representation or is it quite like problematic um and so my essay was all about to what extent Hamilton is an accurate representation of America and I think Hamilton is a prime example of like the show debuted in 2015 it was written as a victory lap for the Obama era and then obviously when it's staged predominantly under the Trump presidency that's a very different world and lots of the things that were celebration a celebration for the Obama era in um Hamilton then you kind of have to look at with a lot more cynical eye in the Heights was written, I think, five, maybe 10 years before Hamilton, like a long time ago. And I think just so much, the world has changed so much since then. And I think In the Heights should should be good representation for the community. Like, I mean, there's so little representation for people of color um, within the arts in general. But obviously there's been a lot of chat about um, the lack of dark skinned Latinos um, in the film, which is, Disappointing, I feel like given that Lin-Manuel Miranda kind of really prides all of his work on representation for people of colour, making sure that there is a breadth of people in colour and that all those people within the community are represented is kind of the bare minimum. Um, so yeah, I think it's just, it's a real, real shame that even in a project that's supposed to celebrate diversity, it's only light-skinned people that have been cast in the film. So yeah, I'm not sure how well In the Heights is going to do either, which again is a shame. I feel like if people keep Kind of boy I mean obviously people have every right to be upset about it and they should potentially boycott the film I think it's so concerning when these films keep getting made and then they're not made quite well enough I just think you know it's so disappointing to the, to the community of people who love these shows when then it's not really done justice through mistakes like this like um I think um Dear Evan Hansen when you cast a 30 year old man and then it's less, less sympathetic you run the risk of a musical is all about mental illness, then becomes less sympathetic, it twisted in the public view, potentially does quite a lot of damage to the stigma that already exists around mental illness. And I think the same thing potentially can happen within the heights, but then, you know, there's already such a lack of diversity in the arts. And then you have something like this where a project is made that's supposed to celebrate that diversity. And again, it falls short. I think 
there are so many issues with diversity in the arts and they just kind of keep perpetuating themselves, unfortunately, even in projects that are supposed to remedy that issue. Yeah, absolutely. I think you touched on a very prescient issue there. I mean, it's, as you say, it's interesting that Lin-Manuel Miranda is often looked at as this person who brought diversity into, you know, musical theatre and musicals. And now, you know, we're taking a deeper look at some of, some of his projects and this is one of them. I thought I'd ask you a little bit about The Greatest Showman in La La Land because you mentioned them a little bit earlier. Oh, yeah. What are your thoughts on those two? I, I'm not that much of a fan of La La Land. I've only seen it once. I saw it at the cinema right when it came out. And I know lots of people loved it. Like I know it's tons of people's like absolute favorite film ever. I, I liked it. I didn't love it. I just, I, maybe I need to watch it again with fresh eyes, but I, it doesn't really do anything for me. Um, the Greatest Showman, I'm not sure if I even wanted to see it or if my dad made me go and see it with him. Um, I think I was excited because obviously it's um, Patrick and Paul who are the same writers of Europe and Hanson, which I love. I think I quite liked it at the time. It's kind of a, it's a bit of a feel-good film. The problem is just like with Dear Evan Hansen and In the Heights is one of those things that when you look at it again, it's really quite problematic. I rewatched it a few weeks ago with my friends. And I mean, obviously the thing, the, the sort of really sinister thing I think about that film and that storyline is that this was a man who was exploiting people who were different from others. And the film takes a man who exploited that and abuse these people for money and makes him this kind of figure of celebration of diversity, which is obviously totally inaccurate. Um, and I think that's, I, I think it's quite harmful and offensive um, to people. Um, the other thing with that film is I think it is one of those films that has the kind of weird, are we or are we not going to discuss race thing? Um, a bit like a Noah Holmes. It really annoys me when people, um, people or like Bridgerton, I think Bridgerton is a really great example of um you know you create you have a world set in the past and you have diverse you have much more diverse actors than would have existed at that time so you cast people of color and you don't listen to people who are saying like it should all be white people because clearly that's stupid but then i think the greatest showman kind of does that thing there's that moment with um zendaya where um she's looked down upon by zac Efron's parents um for being kind of the help and it's this kind of weird thing that like subtextually she is obviously being looked down on because she's black but they never address that in the film it's kind of this issue of race is there but never quite touched upon which I just think is really weird and annoying um so again I think The Greatest Showman unfortunately is a film that doesn't really meet the mark of like what it could have been but then I don't know if it ever could have been anything better because it's not like it was a story that kind of got knocked down by producers wanting to change it was always a story that completely fabricated this plot that celebrates a man who just exploited other people. So I feel like maybe, maybe The Greatest Showman never really had that much promise. Right, well, there you go. I know that when both of them were released, there was quite a mixed reaction, I think, to both of them, just in terms of people that I knew. I know that um, La La Land obviously got great critical acclaim, didn't quite win the Oscar, very famous moment there, pretty funny. <laughs> um, when I first saw La La Land, I liked it, and I thought that was enjoyable, not necessarily the greatest thing ever, but I, you yeah. know, I enjoyed it. And then afterwards, I had a really long conversation with someone who really loved musicals who explained to me why they thought it was terrible. And since then, I haven't had a very good opinion of it. So my opinion's been changed retrospectively on that one. Um, I haven't seen Greatest Showman, I must admit. But what oh. you said, yeah. 
but what you said about uh, P.T. Barnum is interesting because, uh, yeah, it's an interesting choice to make a musical about someone who is such a horrible person. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. Now, we've talked about some recent musicals. I thought I'd read you this little list here. In the year 2006, the AFI, that's the American Film Institute, released a list of what they consider to be the 25 greatest movie musicals ever made. I thought I'd just read you the top 10 and get your thoughts on it, if that's right. Yeah. At number 10, they put Meet Me in St. Louis. At number nine, An American in Paris. At number eight, My Fair Lady. At number seven, A Star is Born. That's the 1954 version with Judy Garland, just to be specific. At number six, Mary Poppins. At number five, Cabaret. At number four, The Sound of Music. At number three, The Wizard of Oz. Number two, West Side Story. And number one, Singing in the Rain. What do you think? Right, the only film of that that I've actually ever properly watched is... um... Oh, I've completely forgotten that. West Side Story. Um, I've seen like bits of Mary Poppins and The Sound of Music, but it's one of those films that like, you know, the films that are just always on around Christmas and you kind of see like parts of it, but you've never sat down and watched the whole thing. But yeah, um, only West Side Story for me. I actually wrote an essay on it while I was in sixth form. I did my EPQ on film adaptations of Romeo and Juliet. But um, yeah, I don't know why. I've just never really made an effort to like, to to look at the classic musicals. I think because I kind of got into musical theatre and theatre in general so late, like I had never kind of properly been to the theatre, like I'd seen pantomimes, but other than that, my first time going to the theatre was a school trip when I was in year 10. Um, so I was never really that interested in musical theatre before that I think I'd seen. I had the DVD of Hairspray from the age of about seven, which I absolutely adore. I still love that film. Um, and that was kind of my one like experience of musical theatre growing up. But I've never seen the, sh- the stage show of that either. So I'm a bit more of a modern musical person. Um, but West Side Story, I think, is a very interesting adaptation of their um, remaking it, which must come out very soon with um, Rachel Zegler, I think, whose covers I used to watch on YouTube. So that was really cool seeing her cast in that. Um, yeah, I really like West Side Story. I think it's a really good take on Romeo and Juliet. Um, perhaps a little a little romantic for my taste it really annoys me when I think Romeo and Juliet is a play about hatred so it kind of annoys me when people try to make it this like thing about love but I do think West Side Story is a really great um it is a really great film um and musical again the issue with that is I know there were a lot of issues with casting with um I believe it was the actress who played it's not Maria it's Maria's older friend but she was white wasn't she I think I think a lot of the people in the in the film are actually just white, which again, like I don't know what it is about like you write these roles specifically for people of color and they just somehow people just keep missing the mark. I really feel like it's not that complicated to create meaningful representation and somehow people just really seem to miss the mark at every opportunity. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, that is kind of the sort of the more shameful side of these films. West Side Story, the the version that we're talking about is the 1961 Robert Wise version. Interesting fact about Robert Wise, if you didn't know, he edited Citizen Kane. So very talented man, (laughs) director of West Side Story and Sound of Music and various other great films. The lead in that, who plays Maria, is Natalie Wood, who I believe is of like Russian ancestry. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, weird. Why? Like, not of cast an actual Puerto Rican woman is it that hard in fact I saw um I saw Miss Saigon a few years ago when um the Broadway revival um and I know that was filmed um and shown at cinemas as well but that's another example of like it's supposed to be set in Vietnam like it's all about yes 
the Vietnamese War. Um, and again, like just totally missing the mark of representation. I think the lead actress, she might have been Vietnamese, but basically it was very clear that the casting directors had just been like, give us anyone Asian, which is just, I mean, great, but obviously we, we so dearly need more um, Asian representation, more representation of people in color in general. Um, on the stage, on the screen, but just the fact that they'd clearly like not bothered about finding anyone who was actually Vietnamese and just gone, give us anyone Asian. And it didn't matter if like they were Chinese or Korean or Japanese, they were like, just chuck them in there is, I mean, at least, at least it is representation. But yeah, again, I don't know what it is about it being so difficult to actually put the representation on stage that has been like written into these shows. I don't know why. I don't know why casting directors find it so difficult. Yeah, and it makes you realise how long this sort of dodgy casting has persevered, um, if yeah. you can put it that way. West Side Story, for example, is 1961, the same year, Breakfast at Tiffany's, which of course isn't a musical, but that was released. And in that film, Mickey Rooney, a white actor, plays a Japanese character. And he's, he's it's full yeah. on racist makeup and everything. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's stuck around and it's very much still with us, but in a slightly different form now. So yeah, that is that is the more shameful side of it, I suppose. But I have to say, West Side Story, very good film. I do really enjoy it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's very well made. <laughs> Absolutely. So did you know that Steven Spielberg is planning a new version of West Side Story that's going to be coming out uh, December of this year? Yes. Like, well, like I said, I used to watch um, the lead actress's covers on YouTube. So when I found out she was casting her, I was very excited for her. So yeah, I, I think I follow her on Instagram and so I'm very excited for that to come out. But I know a while ago there was some sexual assault allegations, or maybe they might have been messaging minors um, allegations against Ansel Elgort. So that's disappointing. Yes, that certainly always, is disappointing. It always seems to be the case. So I don't, I don't know if I'm going to go see that. I guess we'll see. I actually need to read back into that and find out whatever happened about those allegations, because... I don't, want, I don't want to boycott something if it turns out it's totally untrue, but equally, I, I will not be seeing the film if, if it turns out those are true, so. Yeah, well, that is completely understandable. I mean, I guess just in talking about musicals very quickly, as with all Hollywood, there is a darker side to it, and that side is racism and allegations of the sort that you just mentioned that do seem to haunt something. And it's a shame that you can't just go and watch a film and enjoy it without... Yeah. All of all of uh, all of the darker side of life attached to it, which is a massive shame. Just that you said that of the other ten, you haven't seen any of them apart from West Side Story. No, I've. Uh, my mum, my mum loves the sound of music, but I've just never sat down to watch it. My mum's obsessed with um, her making the dresses out of the curtains. She always threatens to make me like horrible floral dresses out of curtains. But I've I've never sat down and properly watched it. I should. At some point, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've got a long summer ahead of us, so very good yeah, for watching. I'll get on it. <laughs> <laughs> a few musicals. I thought it was interesting looking at the fact that, I mean, this is a 2006 list in all fairness, but the latest musical they have on it is Cabaret, which came out in 1972. It does seem that there was a kind of golden age for movie musicals that went from perhaps the 40s up to the late 60s or very early 70s. Um, and a lot of these films are about very, very dark subject matter. I mean, Sound of Music, for example, everyone thinks of it as being, oh, you know, high on the hills, lonely goat herd. It seems very sort of cutesy, but that is yeah. about life under Nazi occupation. It's a, yeah. it, it's got a darker side to it. Um, 
As to some of these other films, I mean, Cabaret, again, that's about life in Weimar Germany when the Nazis are rising, and it's a very political mm -hmm. film. It's about the rise of fascism. And it's great, Cabaret. I've, I can't recommend Cabaret enough, especially because it's, it's a very, very, very LGBT positive film. It's a film about characters who are gay in, in Berlin in the 30s, it's very much an acknowledgement that the LGBT community has always been a thing. And it's about that community against fascism. So it's very relevant to now. It's a very, very good film. Heavy recommend from me. And, and of course, I mean, I love all of these films. Singing in the Rain, I think is basically perfect. I'm not sure if there's anything wrong with it. It's one of the best films ever. The star of the film, Gene Kelly, also co-directed it. That's how, much, that's how talented he was. Um, and I thought I'd give a shout out to A Star Is Born as well, the 1954 version, which is probably my favorite of all the movie musicals. I mean, that's a, that's a dramatic film with music in it. It's a film about alcoholism and how that ruins a marriage and a life. It's a, it's a dark film, but it's very beautiful. Have you seen the recent Lady Gaga version of it? I haven't. My dad keeps trying to make me watch it. And it was one of those things, films that I wanted to watch when it came out. And so much time has passed now that I just keep forgetting about it. But I am meaning to watch it at some point. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it is. I mean, I have to say, I haven't personally seen the Lady Gaga version of recent years, but the Judy Garland one will always have a very special place in my heart. Well, I've just thought, of, I, don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot with this. Have you never seen The Wizard of Oz? Again, it's just a film that I've seen like in bits and pieces, and I don't think I've ever sat down and like watched it in one go. I have seen Wicked, though, which I love. I feel like I feel like Wicked is probably better than the, the, the um, Wizard of Oz. I, I really enjoy Wicked. I, it was one of those shows that I, I went to see it quite late, I think in like December of like 2017 or something, after it had been out for like years and like I knew everything that happened and I cried in the opening number because I was like, it's so sad, what happens? Um, yeah, so yeah, I've never cried like right at the beginning of something before. Oh, except actually in the, what was the... Um, was it the Peter Rabbit film that, that came out in like 2018 or something? I cried like really early on in that. Oh, it was when the dad like left for the war and I was like, it's so sad. Do you think West Side Story is going to make you cry? No. Oh. I, I don't know. I feel like the one thing that kind of bothers me about West Side Story is I feel like that kind of big speech that Maria does the, at the end about like, he died because of hatred, blah, 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 and all about, and with the gun, I feel like it's a little cheesy. I don't know. I feel like maybe I need to watch it again and reappraise because a lot, a lot of time has passed since I watched that film. And, you know, I think my, my feminist reading of stuff has probably progressed quite a lot. So maybe if I watched it again now, I'd think that it was a bit more empowering. But I don't know. I feel like, again, just like I said, I feel like Romeo and Juliet is a, is a play about hatred and not really anything else. And I think people massively misinterpret it. And I think West Side Story is made like so romantic and that kind of bit at the end is what saves it. But I, I wish it was a bit more about hatred. I feel like given all the context of like, it's about gang rivalry, which was like very real in New York at the time, like the amount of young people that died, like brutally murdered on the streets. And it makes it this thing about love is like, you could have made it so, so much more dark and like really addressing, I think more directly the real social issues of the time yeah well there you have it another musical about an incredibly dark subject matter yes there's many i feel like there's a real split in musicals between just like totally out there and wacky and comedic and then just like really really dark stuff which really 
you know, should not be made into a song and dance, like stuff like Spring Awakening or like Les Mis is like a great example. Like, it's just a bit odd that people feel the need to have like a happy little sing and dance about these really, really dark subject matters. I don't know. But then I kind of think a dark story is a bit more interesting, you know? As much as I love, I love Legally Born the Musical, but like, is it as great as a dark like story? I don't know. Right. Well, we've talked about some of the classics. I thought I'd ask you, what are your personal favourite movie musicals? Oh, I would say probably Hairspray would have to be up there. I feel like there aren't still that many greats. I feel like I'm someone that very much loves the original stage productions and not many of the, and I think particularly because I like the more recent ones, not many of them have been made into films yet, but Hairspray was a DVD that I bought when I was about seven and I've watched it like in the car so many times over and over and over again and I think the thing that's really great about Hesperate is that like when I first started watching it I didn't really understand any of the context and as I've grown up I understand because obviously it's um set within like the segregate the um segregation in America and the civil rights movement and kind of as I've grown up I've kind of understood that context a bit more. Hairspray I would say my one issue with it is that it really equates fat phobia to racism and segregation and Jim Crow laws, which I think is quite offensive. And I don't think the two are really comparable. Obviously, Tracy does face discrimination for being fat, but not in the same way that particularly racism was being enacted at the time that like, I don't know if lynchings were still going on in the 60s, but very much that like, I mean, given how awful the Jim Crow and segregation laws were, I really feel like you can't really equate the two. Um, so that's the, that's the one thing about Hairspray for me that is slightly problematic. But I think it, I think it does quite a good job of explaining those issues a bit more simplistically for children. Like I don't think, you know, if you're looking for a musical that's actually going to deal with, you know, kind of the nuances of racism, that's very clearly not it. But I think if you're looking for something a bit a bit more happier that also addresses those issues, I think it's quite good. I think it's just it's fun. Um, the songs are really fun. I love the songs. I know so many of them. I've done many. I grew up dancing, so I've done many dance numbers to the songs in that show, which I really like. So, yeah, I like Hairspray. That's probably my favorite. Especially if you want to see Christopher Walken and John Travolta as a couple, which is very interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's. I mean, that was probably what attracted to me uh, it to me when I first saw it. It's just the fact that what John Travolta and Christopher Walken are a couple. I think that was. <laughs> That was like the main focus of it for me, just the sort yeah, of strangeness. Yeah, <laughs> uh, And that that musical number they do together, Timeless, to me, that's an intro. Oh, yeah. that's my favorite bit. Classic. <laughs> there you go, Hairspray. Right now, are there musicals that are on Broadway that haven't been adapted to film yet that you think would be good to adapt? I would really, really love to see Legally Blonde, the musical adapted back into a film or either like a recording of it made into a film. Because um, I think, right, I think, I feel like the film has had a bit of like a feminist re-examination, which I love. I think Elle Woods is an absolutely brilliant character. I actually watched the film once with um, my aunt who teaches women's studies at university and kind of expected that she really wouldn't like it because obviously like she goes to Harvard Law School to chase a man. Um, and my aunt loved this film and what she said about it was like the reason it's such a good message is because Elle refuses to change herself. She refuses to sacrifice her femininity to succeed in a patriarchal world, which I think is such an important lesson for all women. Um, and I think 
those kind of feminist undertones are really picked up on and pushed harder in the stage show. So at the end of the musical, Elle actually proposes to Emmett instead of the other way around, which is just, I mean, it's a complete 360 from her at the beginning of the film or the show waiting to be proposed to by this really awful man. So then her at the end, like not only, you know, has she become this incredible, brilliant lawyer um, or law student who graduates valedictorian, but she's actually taken on like those feminist lessons in, in herself um, and has become like, I mean, I don't know how many women propose um, to their boyfriends. So, if, I mean, she's really come by the end of the musical quite far to being like the complete opposite of what we'd expect of kind of the dumb blonde sorority girl, um, which she's kind of foolishly made out to be. And so I think it's really great that the musical kind of takes that a bit further. That's why I would really like to see that adapted to a film again. I know it would be very unlikely to happen um, because obviously the film exists and the film is extremely popular, but I would really like to see the film, like the original, an original stage version kind of broadcast out in cinemas like they're doing for a lot of stuff. I think that's a really great opportunity. There you go, Legally Blonde. Well. Oh. I would love, to, I, that's my second, I would love to see Wicked. I think Wicked is a really great example of something that is based on a film but is different enough that you could release a film. And I mean, so many kind of film versions have been made of um, The Wizard of Oz. There was that prequel that came out in like 2012 or something that was like really bad and everyone hated it. I can't remember what it was called. Um, something Oz the, about Oz. Oz the Great Empire. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if they make that, I don't see why they couldn't make a film of Wicked. And like, I mean, Wicked is a massively, massively successful, successful musical. Like, there's no doubt that people would go and see it. I mean, that must be one of the highest grossing musicals of the 21st century. Like, it's a real, it's a massive powerhouse. So I don't see any reason why that couldn't be adapted into a really, really successful film. And I mean, unlike, unlike something like Dear Evan Hansen, where you can't really cast the original Broadway lead, in the film without it being kind of questionable. You could absolutely have Idina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth, who are the original cast members, playing those roles. And I think people would absolutely come and see them um, perform it. We'd absolutely go and see the film to see them in those roles because these are people that are like massive, massive household names. I mean, Idina Menzel was in Frozen. People would obviously come and see the film with her and Wicked. Absolutely. Now, a little bit earlier on, you mentioned Les Miserables, or Les Miserables, as I thought I was called when yeah. I was a kid. <laughs> but what was your opinion of the, the the more recent version? I mean, it's not particularly recent. 2010's Hugh Jackman one? Yeah, well, I actually saw, as I said, I didn't really get into, into theatre until I was older. So I didn't, I saw the film way before I saw the stage show. Um, I think they're both quite different enough, right? I, I have to be honest, people slate both Russell Crowe in this and um, Pierce Brosnan in Mamma Mia, people massively say they're singing. And I don't know if I'm just like totally tone deaf, but I, I, don't, I don't really have that much of an issue with it. I don't know, I feel like I've never, I've never really heard, I don't know, I feel like you can't, I wanna say you can't expect that great things of like the average white man who is cast, the average straight white man who is cast in like a movie musical. But then like, there are many people that you could have cast, yes. So maybe I shouldn't be that quick to, to excuse it. I think Aaron Tibet um, is in the film below playing in short breaths. I don't know how to pronounce that, which is embarrassing because I do speak French. But um, um, yeah, he was in um, the Broadway production. He was cast in the film and very much can sing. So maybe they should have made a bit more of an effort to cast some people who can sing on um, like huge Hollywood names without bothering about some of the technicalities. But I really like the film. I think, again, like 
I think it's so easy to be snooty about movie musicals saying like, well, it's not the same as the stage show. But I think the reality is that theatre is so, so massively inaccessible to so many people. And I think if you can make a film that makes it accessible to lots of people, I mean, if you, if you want to go and see the show on the West End, you're going to end up paying, you can pay up to like 70 pounds for standard tickets before you've even got to like a VIP package. You're probably, you're not going to be able to get them for less than any, less than like 30 pounds. Then you've got to include like train fares if you're getting like food fare and stuff. So going to the, going to the theater is massively expensive. You can buy a cinema ticket for 10 pounds. Like, Les Mis is now like free to watch on lots of streaming services or was for a while and so I think you know I'm sure it's not it's obviously never as all-encompassing as the stage version I think that's the thing with movie musicals is it's never as great as kind of being their life but I think we really shouldn't be snooty about it if it gives lots of people who wouldn't otherwise get the chance to go and see something like that the option to see and be open into it and I think ultimately that, that's how you get lots of people interested in theatre which is why then obviously it's a shame when um, film productions get absolutely slated. I mean, things like Cats is like another prime example of a film like Cats is made. It gives all musical theatre a bit of a bad name. And then when the arts are being massively underfunded anyway, particularly in coronavirus, we kind of have to ask, like, how, how is this affecting, like, the economic validity of the theatre industry? If, I mean, it relies, I mean, inherently for a show to be successful, you can't just have avid musical theatre fans going to see it. It has to be other people outside as well. I mean, that's why Hamilton was so successful, but non-theatre people were going to see it. So I guess when you have non-theatre people seeing these films and then they're not really that good at all, it does kind of give theatre a bad name. And then how, how are they going to get the money to keep putting on the shows? Yeah, very, very good point. I mean the arts in general is under huge stress, almost unimaginable stress because of the coronavirus pandemic. And yeah, I hadn't particularly thought of the connection of movie musicals to that if they aren't very good. What, what was your opinion of Cats? Did you see it? I, I haven't seen it. I refuse to see it. There, there's a trend here of there's many movie musicals that I just refuse to see because I know they're going to ruin it. But I just feel like it's a bit of a weird story. I don't know. It's, one, it's a bit like Dear Evan Hansen. It's one of those things that people kind of are acutely aware of and then it's made into a movie, they find out what the plot is and they're like, what the hell, that is so weird. Um, I love Taylor Swift. So, I mean, obviously she is in that film, so maybe I should have seen it, but I just, I refuse. Again, James Corden is in it. So that was a moment for me that I was like, no, I can't watch it. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the cast list of that film, it was Ian McKellen, James Corden, Taylor Swift, and Jason Derulo. That That's... The weirdest cast. That's bizarre. I think if you're trapped in a lift with those people, you go mad after about 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> just so because odd. it's such a bizarre ensemble of people. Um, yeah, not, right? Not, not that I have anything against e any of them in particular. It's <laughs> just the, 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 the culmination of them all being together is so strange. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. There's Cats. Now, I asked you earlier uh, which Broadway musical you think should be made into a movie. Um, I thought I'd ask a different question now. Which movie that isn't a musical do you think would be a good musical? Oh, I would love to see some more, like, I would love to see, like, another iconic chick flick um, turn into a musical. I think, um, obviously, Legally Blonde, I love. Um, mean Girls, I think, is a really good show. I would love to see something, like, I actually haven't seen the film it's like right next to my watches but something like jennifer's body or i don't know what are they like clueless clueless i bet you could adapt into a really good musical something like that would be really cool 
Yeah, that sounds absolutely great. I mean, that's interesting that you point out that there is a bit of a trend of, um, we did a whole episode the other day on chick flicks, and I'm saying that with air quotes, just to make clear, uh, (laughs) because the name itself is an interesting one that you can look into a bit. But there is a bit of a trend in films that are often called chick flicks being turned into musicals. That seems to be happening a lot. I mean, I guess just, I mean, those films are both so recent. I mean, like what, late 2000s, early 2010s. But um, I mean, there's enough of a captive audience to kind of get the, to get people in to see the show. And obviously they're so beloved. I mean, anything that is an incredibly popular film. I mean, anything, any time anyone writes an incredibly popular plot, whether it's initially written as a screenplay or a book or a musical, people always go crazy over the rights to own it for everything else, whether it's adapting it into a musical or a book or a film. Um, so I guess, you know, these films were so insanely popular. There's a, like, there's total reason to believe that they would be um, popular on the stage. I feel like maybe just something about, something about the teenage experience, I feel like is probably quite good to adapt to musicals, but like, it's so angsty that you can you can kind of get a lot out of it without it being too dark heather's the musical actually is another one that is one of my absolute favorites and i do kind of think it's better than the original film um but yeah i feel like between all of those it's such great examples of like the teenage experience can be so angsty you can really bring out like strong emotions without it really kind of being harmful in as many ways and then you can kind of satirize the fact that like you know we're all teenagers once and you think what you're going through is like the absolute end of the world and then you can kind of see the show and look back on it as an adult and think like wow i really thought that was the end of the world and it all turned out okay so i guess it's kind of easy to make them a lot more light-hearted and humorous in that sense yeah well there you go that's a very interesting point i guess the teenage experience is incredibly angsty and if you want to express that i mean music is a good way to do it it's an yeah. interesting observation on that i thought i'd ask you another question is there a movie musical that you've seen that you can't stand is there one that you really just take against I don't think so I feel like I just refuse to watch the ones that I don't think I'm gonna like because I think it's gonna ruin them for me I don't think I feel like apart from maybe The Greatest Showman which I think was just kind of massively overplayed at the time it was on those films that people massively hyped up and I liked at the time and then kind of looked back on and was like mm, actually <laughs> there are some issues here I feel like that also kind of got a bit of unfair press though in that like I remember seeing at the time people complaining that I think because so many people absolutely adored La La Land The Greatest Showman was kind of set up with too high expectations I remember hearing people complain that um, the music was what's the word it's like anti-chronological I don't know what the actual word is for it but um, when the music is not in the style of the time and people were complaining like you know, this film is set in like the late 1800s. Why isn't the musical in the style of the late 1800s? And I was like, are you stupid? Like the music of Les Mis isn't all in the style of like the French Revolution music, whatever that was. Like Hamilton is an incredible example of like the music is not from the 1800s. It uses modern music styles. And actually that is the whole point of the experience and it's done incredibly well. So I feel like, I feel like, I think The Greatest Showman, a bit like Hamilton, is one of those things that I think technically is very, very good. The overall kind of picture of diversity is what kind of lets it down. Right. Well, there you go. I mean, we've come back to that issue again, diversity, the sort of the, the more sort of racist aspect of musicals. It is interesting that that's the sort of dark secret 
that's lurking behind all of it and it's an open secret you know it's it's there to be seen yeah. and it's only now that we're looking at it again in terms of what you said about the music and the great showman i don't think going after the, if you have a criticism of the film that's absolutely fine but it seems a weird one to go after the fact that the music isn't in keeping with late victorian music yeah i was just like what i was like what what do you want what do you want from this like no one's gonna see the film if it's all sung in the style of like 18, I, I don't know if it's all like operatic well that would be boring wouldn't it I don't want to go and sit and watch that like especially but when, and when you're casting like Zendaya, Zac Efron people want to hear them sing a bit of pop I don't want to hear them sing like some boring old song from the 1800s like it just it just wouldn't be a good it wouldn't be a good film it's I mean it's like saying well if you're gonna make a film about the 1800s everything has to be totally totally out. I, I mean like like Bridgerton if people like the costume or Merlin BBC Merlin show is one of my favorite examples of like if you like well the costumes and the special effects all have to be like totally totally accurate for the 1800s you can't use or whatever time they were setting you can't use anything that like wouldn't have been there no like sparkly dresses no like fake dragons I don't know I just feel like it's stupid to be like everything has to be totally realistic for the time it's boring just like take some creative license the arts are all about imagination yeah, and playing around with anachronism can be really interesting. You can point out yeah. various things or draw a link. Like the example that I love, it's not in a musical. It's in Django Unchained, which is a film I have very, very mixed opinions on in general. <laughs> but the bit that I really love, and I think I've mentioned this before in the podcast, is the scene where you finally get Django, the main character, who was a slave, killing slave masters, and it plays Tupac over it. And it's a Western set in the 1800s. And that's great. Yeah. I love that. Sort of making a link between the oppression of slavery in the 1800s and the continuing oppression and racism of the 1990s when Tupac was making music. That's great. Exactly. That's really yeah, interesting. And then there's so much to unpack as well. Um, I love, I absolutely adore Baz Luhrmann's The Great Gatsby Adaptation, which I know is a film that again, like critics slated. I think is absolutely brilliant. And one of the things critics slated it for was the soundtrack. And I think the soundtrack is so cool. Like they have like Beyonce, I'm pretty sure is on the soundtrack, like Lana Del Rey. And I think that's so like, I think it's so boring to be like, we're going to make a film set in a specific time and everything has to be totally accurate to that period. I think The Great Gatsby is a really great example of you make the soundtrack a bit more modern and it adds so much to the film. I think it's, I think it was an absolutely brilliant directorial choice. I do really like the music in The Great Gatsby. I'm, I'm, I, I must confess, I'm one of the people that's not a big fan of it, mostly just because I really like, I really, I really like the book. And I think it's a poor adaptation of the book, personally. I don't think it gets the character of Gatsby oh, very well. See, I, oh, I don't know. I just disagree, though. I feel like I, I, I'm not so much of a fan of the framing narrative. I don't really know why they needed that. But I guess Baz Luhrmann is kind of a director who quite likes the framing narrative. We actually watched, um, with my housemates, we watched um, Moulin Rouge a few weeks ago. And we kind of realised that like Moulin Rouge and um, his adaptation of Great Gatsby are almost the same film. They have like the same like framing narrative, which is a bit odd because it's not part of his like Red Person trilogy. Um, I can't remember what I was saying. What was I saying? Why do I like Great Gatsby? Oh, no, but I feel like the thing, the thing that I really like about the film is that I think, I think it really, really hits the sense of tragedy. Like I remember when I saw the film for the next like oh, good week, I just, every, like every day I was like, it's so sad, like it's horrific, it's so sad that like everyone betrayed Jay Gatsby and he deserves better. And like Daisy said she loved him, but he, but he didn't really care in the end. He just wanted some money and the reputation. And it really, really got to me for like a full while. I was like, wow, 
world is so unfair the world is so cruel and so I feel like you know I mean I mean with all book and film adaptations nothing is ever going to be perfect like particularly when it is something like The Great Gatsby but like so many people are such avid fans of like it's so many people's favorite book you're never going to be able to get everything totally right in any adaptation but I think it does a really good job of keeping the overall aspect of what the book is about and I think adding some like cool new touches the music I think was very cool I will defend the music to my death absolutely I, I do like the music I like the uh Lana Del Rey particularly because I'm a bit of a fan of Lana Del Rey oh, but, um, <laughs> it's fantastic well, Jay Gatsby, in the words of Lord, was waiting for that green light. Yes. That's the best joke I've ever made. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the one change that really sticks out to me between the book and the film is that in the book, the first time that you meet Gatsby, Nick Carraway's sitting at a table with a bunch of people he doesn't know. And he says, oh, the Gatsby who's throwing this party, I want to meet him. He must be some extraordinary man. And the guy next to him at the table goes, no, I'm Gatsby. He's so nondescript that he has to point out who yeah. he is when he's throwing a party. Whereas in the film, it's, I'm Gatsby, and there's fireworks. He's yeah. holding a martini glass. So, like, it's far oh, more it's so cinematic, though. Like, <laughs> no, that, gif, that gif is everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. I feel like, you know, if you've got to make a few little changes for the sake of, like, a really great scene, you know, that scene is absolutely iconic. So, I it's mean, a- like I said, you're never going to be able to make everyone happy with an adaptation. I mean, it's just, like, all the adaptations of like the lord in the rings and then the hobbit and like harry potter and stuff you know people always get really annoyed whenever anything is remotely changed so i mean people are going to be people are going to find something to nitpick anyway if you're gonna if you're gonna if people are going to nitpick you know what you might as well just like go bold and change big things that's an interesting point um yeah, I mean, I can't fault the film for giving us a classic gif because that truly is a that's a exactly. hall of fame gif. <laughs> Um, we've been talking for uh, close to an hour now, so I thought I'd just round out with one final question. What was the musical that got you into movie musicals? What was the sort of gateway musical, if you will? It probably was Hairspray. Like I said, I watched that film. I've seen that film so many times. I got the DVD when I was seven, um, and I wasn't really into theatre until I was about 15, 14 or 15. Um, and so I guess that really was my, my entryway. I think I really love films like Chicago. Yeah, Chicago was a classic. There are definitely more as well, but I feel like Hairspray was the one that I just like absolutely grew up just constantly watching. And I think it's quite cool that I kind of watched it before I ever really had an interest in musical theatre. Um, and like I said, I grew up dancing. I did so many dance routines and different songs and that. So I think it was just kind of cool. I guess for me, it was kind of a cool pinnacle of like lots of different things I was interested in that just kind of came together. So it would definitely be that for me. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Jasmine, for coming on the show. It's been absolutely wonderful talking to you. Uh, do you have a social media account? Would you like to plug any of your work? I mean, sure. Um, my Twitter is at Jasmine L.L. Parker, because Jasmine L. Parker was taken. And I'm Jasmine L. Parker and everything else. I don't really have any articles at the moment because I'm taking a nice long break for summer. But yeah. Feel free to follow me there and then I guess you'll see when I do get back to writing. Brilliant. Well, thank you to everyone for listening to this episode of the Boar Film Podcast. Hopefully we will have an, uh, have an episode out uh, this time next week as well. Enjoy the weather while you can and stay safe for the next few weeks while the lockdown uh, restrictions are still in place. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>